Alright, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor of Salt City Hoops. We're here only, let's see, three days away from media day, is that? Like, yeah. that's really, really exciting to me. League-wide, the they've started. Season, like, in certain true. places in the league, they've started. Everybody on my Twitter's all excited. Yeah, so if you have an inter- if teams that have an international game today, it's my understanding, okay, have yeah. media day today, and then the ones that don't like the Jazz go um, on Monday. But... So with me today is Ben Dowsett, as always, and then my special guest, Nicole Hernandez, from uh, 1600 AM on the Spanish broadcast. Your your official title is sideline reporter, right? But I know that you do, like, you're you're on the air for, I feel like, the entire game sometimes. Yes, I do. do. I'm officially the sideline reporter for them, but it's a three-man team, okay. or two-man and one-woman team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do color commentary as well. So Nicole was there at the media training camp, which is going to be the focus of much of this podcast, just because it was such a cool event that I just want to basically sit around and tell stories about it. And I hope that that'll be entertaining enough to justify a show. But I, Ben, as as someone who wasn't there, is that the case? I hope. Absolutely. Okay, good. I've been trying to, I've been fine. I've watched like four videos from different sites on it. So <laughs> you're you're watching me with my ridiculous jump shot. I saw, I saw that one and I saw Jody sink the, uh, the, the step in from just inside the three. I saw that one. That so one was nice. That was, was nice because first of all, he, he kind of, ju- yeah, he had the pull up and, or sorry, the pump fake and then yeah, went around the defender exactly. and then actually shot and made a shot which i think was the first shot i saw jody make all di- all i th- you know i'm just gonna say that my- was i'm not sure that might have been the only one i was a red teammate i think that was the only one. Oh wow okay well i'm gonna say from a from a scouting standpoint jody your shot is not broken it just <laughs> it's there's just no consistency man the stroke is good like there's nothing wrong there there's no hitch in the motion just just keep on practicing buddy you got it on the other hand my shooting style is very jamal tinsley throw it at the basket-esque if it works, it works, right? It did not work. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I, I want to get into these sort of stories. Um. And and you know there is unfortunately video evidence of what happened. But um. <laughs> tell we'll the tell the folks at home real, it a little bit. Tell the folks at home real quick what the event was, just for anyone who yeah. didn't, who didn't see it. So basically, the Jazz did this thing. Um. And I think a lot of it's just because Quinn Snyder is a new coach and kind of wanting to show off um what him and his team have been working on in terms of X's and O's. They did this uh, media, quote-unquote, training camp. So they got, uh, I think it was ended up being like 40 members of the media together yeah. um, from TV, from internet, from radio, from uh, newspapers, and basically got us all together. And for this training camp, they gave us a training camp jersey. They gave us shorts. They gave us socks even. They gave us this oh, really? bag they and s- stuff. I thought it was just the jersey. I didn't know like they all that stuff. They went all out. They gave us a little name tag. That was cool. Nice. It's already um, in my room. It's on my wall. Nice. <laughs> Wait, your jerseys didn't have your individual names on it? Now I'm disappointed. No, but they did have our numbers. <laughs> okay. So we, could, we selected from a group of numbers. I chose 23 in order to take revenge on Michael Jordan because I, I <laughs> hope that like my play out there would somehow ruin the reputation of that number. Um, and so basically they threw this practice for us so we could kind of learn the offense, get to know Quinn Snyder and the rest of the jazz assistant coaches a little bit and have some fun. I think a lot of it was this, um, group building exercise almost. But, uh, so I, I guess I'll start with kind of explaining how, um, what actually happened, what they put us through, and then yeah. we can kind of talk about each part of it. So they started us out with these um, super embarrassing stretches that like no nobody was good at. You may have seen the video of David James falling down as he was backpedaling. I think I, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, so that happened. Luckily, I stayed up. Um, but you know, I don't think most of us writer types were equipped to bending over as much as as that. Um, and then he went he 
took us through the the flow offense, which is, you know, if the Jazz aren't going to be running a set play, how they're going to be running um, down the floor. So, it, you know, this is in, like, transition or semi-transition. Basically, how the Jazz want to space their offense and then some just basic actions that come from that. Okay. And Quinn talked about how um, he wants to do that sort of flow offense without a play more often than I, I think the Jazz are used to with the, a, a lot of set plays and, um, you know, Coach Ty Corbin slash Jerry Sloan holding up fingers and calling plays, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I th- Quinn talked about he likes the randomness of that kind of flow motion offense. I think it's. I think you're going to see a lot of that sort of thing, especially sort of as you mentioned in the in the pseudo transition. That's. I, I think that's an area that we and we're not going to get too technical here. This isn't a technical podcast. This is a fun podcast. But uh, <laughs> th- I think that's one of the directions that. You, and you've seen some pieces recently on it. If you read, if for those that are in the the blogosphere or whatever, there have been some pieces about and. It's obvious. Transition is a a really interesting uh, section of the game, essentially, where you can sort of take advantage of certain elements of defenses not being set and things like that that I think Quinn's going to want to really capitalize on. It can be a way for, especially for these younger teams and teams that are still developing their talent, to sometimes even out the 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 talent gap by you 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 speed up the pace and things like that. Yeah, uh, no, I, I completely agree, and I think that's it's. it's something that I think the league is going towards overall, and mm-hmm. I think this is a, a big step for the Jazz and kind of going from this this thing they've been doing for 35 years, quote-unquote Jazz basketball. Uh, I mean, and there have been significant changes, don't get me wrong, but um, to this sort of more random free-flowing offense, it's going to be interesting to see how it works. Um, anyway, so then we did some, quote-unquote, bulk shooting, which w- we did this game where you know the first team to make 10 shots from a given area of the court won... Did you, did your team ever win, Nicole? That was we were actually the first team to win the first two times, and then Thurl walked off, and that's that's where what I was going to ask. Win again. <laughs> so, oh, you, had, you had Thurl on your yeah, team. I did. That, okay, that was unfair. In in my mind, you guys won all of the games just because <laughs> Thurl was. I mean, I was watching him during warmups, and you know we're like dribbling around trying not to reveal how bad we are at basketball. And Thurl's just like making every shot, right? Yeah, and I decided to stand by him the whole time, which <laughs> didn't help my game like at all. Nor during the stretches, I looked horrible. Every single second. But no, you know who actually had a really good shot is Tony. Yeah? Tony mm-hmm. Parks or Tony yeah, Tony Jones? Parks. Sorry, okay. yeah. Uh, I, I believe that. And he made his free throw, too. He made his free throw. We didn't have to run. We okay. were the only ones who didn't have to run. Uh, Nobody so. else made their free throw? Oh, come on, bloggers. I shoot. <laughs> I can shoot like 75%. I was the throw. only blogger there. Bloggers or, have nothing sorry, to do with sorry, it. Sorry, <laughs> media, sorry, media members. I, I, excuse me. Sorry, media members. Like, how? What's going on, guys? We got it. Free throws are not that tough. Come on. Okay, so at one moment, and this is skipping to the end because we've been going chronologically this far, but then okay. at the end, there's these quote-unquote competitive free throws, and if you make it, your team doesn't have to run, and if you miss it, they do have to run. Just ladders? Yeah. Uh, just back and forth. Okay. I mean, yeah. They started by running us ladders, and then they were like, actually, you guys are pretty bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> just the running is too much. This one time back and yeah. forth. That's it. <laughs> Um, so on my team was Rod Zundel from KSL and so, uh, and Tim Montemayor, uh, from 1320. So Tim missed his first shot and then Quinn bet us double or nothing and Rod double Zundel, running, okay. oh, double running, yeah, or nothing. And then, so Rod Zundel stepped up to try to shoot the second free throw and basically said, you've got a choice team weight. You can either choose to, if you think Rod will make it, go with your team and you'll have to run two. Or if you don't think Rod will make it, or you know, double Just or nothing, run one then now. run one now. And I was the only one that was like pretty confident Rod Zundel's not a 50% free throw shooter. <laughs> <laughs> so I was the one that was like, eh, I, I don't know if I bet on you. And then everyone was like, no, Andy, it's a team thing. It's not always analytics all the time. 
I was like, okay. Did fine. you abandon the team or did you stay with no, them? No, then I double? then I stayed with the team and ran double. And yeah, Rod missed it. <laughs> I yes. wonder what Quinn would have done had you not. Right? Like, I, like I'm three sure times I would around have the entire court. had special, like, teammate <laughs> practice. Like, how to be a good person. You guys um, can all go, Andy, you stay. They, yeah. wouldn't, they wouldn't have passed you in the scrimmage, that's for sure. Well, the scrimmage happened before this. Oh, so this was the very end. Okay. But I don't think I would have any friends in the media this year either. True. <laughs> um... So anyway, moving. So we do this bulk shooting exercise. Thurl Bailey wins every game. Um, I, it, it seemed like I don't know. I, I think Britton Johnson's team also won one. I was really feeling like a winner with Thurl. I can yeah. just say that. <laughs> so we had Ron Boone, and I feel like Ron was going like twenty percent speed through everything. So, I mean, first of all, he's like sixty years old, so yeah. it's it's unfair to ask too much of him anyway. But then I I still feel like he had more to give. <laughs> I was huh. disappointed in what Ron Boone did for our team. I can honestly say I didn't even remember. <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing him and was excited for it. And then when it was over, I was like, oh, I forgot to, you know, I wanted to take a picture. You know, I took a picture with Earl with Big Boot. And then I was like, oh, I forgot Ron Boone was here. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he, he didn't make his presence known like the other guys did. How, um, how old is Thurl now? He's he's still pretty young, right? Like, got some spryness in those legs. He, he does at least have spryness in that jump shot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> It, it seemed, yeah, he, he came to play. I, I was ha- pleasantly surprised with Thurl. And then I think the best player there was Britton Johnson. Um, just yeah. like he had that alley-oop in the scrimmage oh, that, yeah. um, you know, like none of us would ever it was all up. Full. Yeah. I like when he questioned when they would say, we need our bigs. And he'd be like, oh, me? I'm the big? <laughs> like, yes, who else is going to be the big down here with all of us who are like 5'5", five, 5'7". Five, five, yeah, so the, the next thing we did were these like four-minute stations teaching us little individual aspects of the jazz mm-hmm. offense, um, which was really cool. So, the, I mean, just to list off the things they, they taught us, one station was just working on basic pick-and-roll offense. Um, second one was this play called Channel 2, which is uh, the semi-transition play that has the big set of screen up on the elbow for a wing um, coming up top and then doing a little pick-and-roll off of it. And I love that. I love that play, by the way. I think we're going to see a lot of it this year. It's a fun play. Do you know that play? I mean, I didn't know necessarily know that they called it that, but I've, that you see a lot of that play. In okay. The, kind of the, like we were talking about in the little pseudo transition, the Spurs do it all the time, which is, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. And, and then the third one is uh, something called Gaggle, where they had this like little double screen in this um, kind of triangle setup and had us do kind of a dribble handoff off of that that we can do some actions off of. And then splits, which truthfully I remember nothing about. <laughs> um, Nicole? I just remember the gaggle because that one I was good at. All you had to do was go up and screen. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't really mess up on that one splits. That because was it's a simple name. One. Splits, I, I think, is kind of a horn set. Um, okay. And then there were various actions off of it. I think we messed up, or at least my team messed up those actions enough um, that <laughs> they just had us go straight to the back door option every time. Uh, They're like, oh, if the back door's there, you guys have it. And then that's all we did. Possible. And then just shoot from wherever you had to shoot it. Yeah. So it, it, was, um, it was interesting. So uh, I wanted to say they you know, had us be quote-unquote guards and bigs and all of us are i mean how tall are you nicole i'm five seven so <laughs> and i'm six feet which again these are not nba big sizes so yeah. everyone wanted to be a guard i feel like other than maybe thorough bailey i would have volunteered everyone. to be a big would i have been a big there at six one or would they have made me a guard i think you may have been a big yes okay good because I, I don't want to handle the ball i mean it's bad i mean again it, this shouldn't be surprising by now because everyone says it but tv personalities in real life are shorter than you would expect usually yeah um, Especially compared with NBA basketball players, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- that was interesting. Every the, having 
you know, some six feet and below, sometimes even five, seven, Nicole playing the big positions was, was fun. Um, how tall is Britain? I don't know. He's tall. Tall. <laughs> really tall. Six, nine. Yeah, I, would I guess. think so. That's what I would guess too. And throws around the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are tall people. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so, and this is non sequitur, but I, I feel like you and I, Nicole, get used to how tall they are just because we're in the locker room and kind of interviewing the players and at, at the media, at the podium and whatever else. Yeah, no, at this point, like, you have to be ridiculously, like, Guinness yeah. World Record kind of tall for me to be like, oh, you're really tall. Like, or Mark- when we were practicing, you know. Right, but, or when somebody dunks on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, like Mark Eaton is still the one that in the Jazz's locker room that cons- still kind of gets yeah, to you. consistently surprises me and how tall he is. Like seven feet isn't tall anymore. Seven five is still really really tall. Yeah, no, that's you know true. I, mean? I used to work at a restaurant. I remember when F. Flemings and he came in, and I was like, oh man, he's really tall. And they all come in, and even when I went to go work, you know, down in the tunnels underground, every time I see him, same thing. I'm like, man, that old guy, is, he's tall. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, but. Just recap, we're here with Nicole Hernandez from Jazz 1600 AM. By the way, uh, Nicole, how did you get started in, in doing Spanish broadcasting? How, what, you know, how did this all come about? <laughs> so I'm, my, I've been, this is going to be my fourth season with the Jazz. My first one was an intern as a games op intern. So we would find, you know, halftime contestants, timeout contestants, pregame stuff, postgame stuff. And, um, you, you know, picked, it was you my, picked me for the free throw contest once. Probably not you directly. Probably not me. No, it was one of us. But yeah, wait, I didn't know that you've done this before. I've actually, I'm. That's a total fib. It was way long, (laughs) way before four years ago. It was a long time. But you've done it. I, I I have. I want to hear the story at some point. It was. It wasn't successful. <laughs> no. But yeah, we didn't. What win. happened to you know your what, how, what percentage kind of free throw shooter? No, but I was nine. That it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that it doesn't or, matter. Or no. Ten or something. <laughs> so, so it was a total fit. It was not when you were uh, around. But this was I did. Yeah, it was my dad and my brother and I. We all did it. Uh, we it was like us three on one side shooting free throws, and then there was a, a group of three on the other side shooting free throws. Uh, okay. And they made more than us. So, well, that personally reflects on you and your character that's on that's on your cv from here on out <laughs> yeah. is missed free throws at the jazz game so anyway sorry continue the story nicole oh no no so that was just my internship and you know that was my first time ever kind of working with that restaurant that i mentioned is because all the players came right there and we knew who, you know they would come and get their meals from us any of their pregame meals and so i started doing that internship and i wasn't anywhere as near as good as the other interns you know so it was just kind of something that they kind of gave because we knew what's you know? uh, how are you uh, how are game day interns better than other game day interns? Like, what do the good ones do that the bad ones don't? Um, they just kind of, I mean, one of them had done, like, in, she had done the same thing with Raoul, with the oh, Blaze. Oh, just, like, background and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just, like, okay, she, okay, no, okay. and, like, it didn't, it, but it just, she it, she knew, like, she could focus on getting to know people, whereas, you know, I, I was like, I get to watch games courtside when we're <laughs> not finding contestants, so I'm going to watch games courtside. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. And I was so bummed because, you know, they didn't reach out to me again for another season, which I didn't expect because it's not a position that it's not an internship that leads to a position. It's more one of those just to put on your right. um, resume. And I was bored. I was at the U in my last one of my uh, last few semesters. And I was like, well, I'm just going to see at the U website with like a job or something like that. And I saw the Spanish radio one. And I was like, well, I speak Spanish. They're not going to really make me talk on the radio. And I know about basketball. So, you know, I want to keep my foot in the door. So I went, I applied, and um, Dan Clayton, I remember my interview was with him at Starbucks, and he didn't make it seem like I was going to be talking at all. And then my first day, they went, and they showed me, you know, okay, we'll have you watch the game. This is what you're going to be doing. So I thought, oh, I got to do stats. I'm going to, they need coffee. I go get coffee. Just something simple like that. The next time, they're like, okay, let's go down, and let's go do an interview with the player. And I said, what? <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be talking at all. Like, it was just something that, 
I don't know, just good, really good timing. And I, I didn't, I never had any experience with radio before, which is another reason why, again, I didn't think I'd be talking. And it was something that I loved so much, I just kind of fell into it. Oh, so, Dan. I know. <laughs> <laughs> good man. I love that man. Yeah, Dan's awesome. So, I, I mean, I feel like Dan taught me that I feel confident bringing the Spanish radio people on to Salt City Hoops just because Dan does great work and then you do great work too. That, like, I... I feel like this is an under-recognized segment of the jazz media. Well, it's one that's growing, and, and we really do hope for it. Like, I was talking to one of, uh, Billy, I don't know how to say, is it Leia, Leah? Bill, uh, Leia? Lee, I think Lay, Lee? I think it's Leia. Lay. Lay. It's, it's a three-letter last name, but it's pretty difficult <laughs> for me. Um, but I was talking to him about getting probably, you know, like, even something as simple as, like, an Instagram account for an official, like, Spanish one for the jazz. Just something like that, because we definitely are growing. This is going to be our fifth season. It's my third one with them, but, you know... Yeah. I'm excited. It's something, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. The numbers are still pretty small, but. Yeah, no, but I, I think there, uh, you have something to offer value to, like, the English fans as well. You know, you guys yeah. are putting a lot of effort into covering the games. Um, and it's just something that I guess a lot of people aren't paying attention to right now. And I, I hope that changes as, you know, hopefully we're giving, like, airtime to Dan and you and, and that sort of thing. Because you guys do awesome work. Well, thank you. We really appreciate that. You should go, you know. Pick up a Spanish dictionary and then just come listen to us. Just come I, on our show. I know a little <laughs> bit of Spanish, like not as much as you guys had Tony Parks on one. Was it Tony or was it um, Spencer? <laughs> we had Tony. We've had Spencer. We had. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm blanking out on his name. I'm completely wait. One. Re- regardless, you've had Rig- Randy Rigby. That's oh, what it was. Randy Rigby. Think, was yeah, on. he was oh, on our I didn't show. Know that. That's cool. Yeah, we had him. I mean, we just we. I would speak to them in English, and then Nelson would translate what they said in Spanish or. Tony just decided to say, adios pelota, for <laughs> every answer. If he didn't know, he just would say that. That means goodbye ball, right? Yeah. It does. He uses it for baseball. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So we might have you on one time. Okay. Well, uh, you and I will be talking and then we'll just translate. Yeah, I'll have to practice my Spanish. <laughs> uh, like, I, I took Spanish in high school and college. Like, I should be better at it than I am, but... <laughs> I think, yeah, the same here. I would embarrass myself if I ever did that. Uh, and that's okay. Um... So uh, anyway, going back to this media Sorry. training camp. No, I, I wanted to ask just so like people knew who you were um, and had your point of view. So the next thing was the scrimmage time. which So we did these what's called five-on-five-on-five, on five on five, which means basically you've got two teams playing five-on-five five half court and one team on the other end waiting for the outcome of that little five-on-five five possession to the winner of that possession comes back the other way. Oh, okay. Um, it's basically just five on five, and so if the offense, if the offense scores the a basket, offense scores a basket, they turn around and go down to the other side. Yeah, or if yeah. the defense offense. stops them, and they just take the ball down. Too. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, and so I think this was the most interesting part of of the scrimmage, just because of the media fights, and not fights so much <laughs> as like media versus media. You know, there's there's David Locke out there guarding whoever going know, for it man. going for it going yeah 100 percent. was he yeah nice. yeah i tried to block his shot once that was great um but i mean i'm just so there were some great moments the first one was the jody genesee shot we talked about earlier and that celebration you know I saw, yeah the celebration was awesome for right. making an 18 footer that guy knows how to celebrate <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I totally expected the opposite as soon as i saw him hit it i expected him to just kind of like jog back no nope. no expression on his face like just do the playing it cool like this happens every day like i that's what i expected <laughs> but then no he, it no. Was, he i was pleasantly surprised because i was expecting he was just gonna play it off we we're very happy for our fellow teammate for our fellow red 
And so there was a Britton Johnson alley-oop, which, you know, was marginally impressive, but you've played basketball before. Like, I don't know. That was <laughs> that was him just showing us up. But I think the best shot of the day was the Patrick Kinahan um, 20-foot hook shot um, as time expired. Did you see that one or were you no, looking the other No, I didn't see that way? one. The one that I remember the most was Billy's. That was that shot, like, right before the... That's right. He, he had a buzzer beater, buzzer too. Beater. Yeah. That, was, that was nice. Um, yeah, PK had this, like, ridiculous, like... Time running out, dribbling. He's stuck in the corner and just threw it over his head. And, of course, it went in, and then he jogged off the floor. Like, <laughs> Did I, he play it off? He, he did the play it off thing? He, like, he did eventually return. But uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I mean, I'm sure that we will be hearing about that moment for years to come on sports radio, so I don't want to talk about it too much because <laughs> um, it's PK. But it was, it was kind of cool. Did they, did they, were there any times where they, like, where, like, somebody screwed up one of the drills and they made you just separately run ladders individually? Like, no. Did they single like, people out like No, that? we all screwed up drills. Yeah. <laughs> we like, would have been running ladders for days. Right. Okay. So, yeah. See, I come from, I come from hockey when I, like, that's what I played when I was younger. And that was, that's pretty much the standard there. Like, you, you, if we were NBA players, I think they probably, may have. Yeah. And from my understanding, and I was talking to Dan about this after um, the training camp happened. You know, we went to dinner for Salt City Hoops. Um, it sounded like when Ty Corbin did this event four years ago during the lockout, uh, I guess that was three years ago, but regardless, Ty made them run a lot more. And it almost seemed like a competitive thing, like, well, you know, you guys don't know how to play basketball, so we're going to make you run a lot and basically embarrass you so that that way, you know, you ask us easier questions, I guess. I don't know what the <laughs> – and, it, you know, it's still a fun event, and it was cool of Ty to put it on, but it almost had this confrontational feeling is what Dan was saying. Okay. This one I feel like was way more educational and way more, um, I don't know, supportive and <laughs> – <laughs> supportive isn't the right word it, it was it was more fun because you know the jazz were trying to teach us things that we would see out on the floor next year it, it, it wasn't so confrontational yeah i think okay. it was just a great way to just establish a, a really great rapport with everyone and with the coaching staff it was really good team building actually very supportive that, that yeah. was kind of something i was gonna ask was it sort of transferring it over not even just into the media practice and not just comparing it to ty corbin's media practice from a few years ago but just in general and with this as one of the few times that you've sort of been able to interact with quinn and were there any other staff members there besides besides Quinn? yeah the entire the staff. Staff. okay yeah. yeah so the whole staff was there i mean this is you guys have been they've had they've talked on the record and things like that but this is one of the first times you've kind of been able to loosen things up with them and whatnot is is there maybe a little bit of a different feel with this staff than there was with with corbin's the just just in general from what you've seen so far this being one of the first times that you've had a chance to sort of see all of them talk to all of them yeah to me i mean so i had a chance to attend a jazz practice last year with you know real players um and that was i feel like it was a different feeling and maybe again it's just because a, a practice with real nba players are going to be is going to be more serious yeah. than media mess around time right but um in terms of uh, at least from my perspective it's a lot more open a lot more communicative a lot more teaching than i feel like ty corbin's um staff and practices were uh, and again this may just be that we're basketball noobs but it just seemed <laughs> like there were there was more this is about you guys improving this is about you guys learning what we're doing here um and less about you got to work hard to get better okay yeah, I felt like it was really good. Like, I felt like it was something that I felt like going, I mean, but I would never done a practice like this before, but I definitely feel like it's going to, I'm excited for this season. I feel like it's going to be a lot more open. And I feel like this was a really great way to get to know 
everyone so that coming into the season we know that we kind of have that open communication okay and i feel like they kind of established a trust with us and not a, a sense of and well i guess they understand that you know our roles are very important because we're the ones who provide these stories to their fans but kind of a, a very appreciative act on their part you like to, you like to see that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it that, felt really good. That's the I, I like seeing that sort of stuff. It's just the, the, a recognition that this that this group of people is important in their own way. Like the yeah, you know the media is important. The media plays a role in things, mm-hmm. and that that's you know that they're going to include people, and that they're yeah the openness I think is kind of the best way of putting it, and I I think that's good. It's a good way of starting things essentially. It's a, not that this is the very first jazz thing that's happened, but it's a you know new staff coming in. You want to make the right kind of impressions. I think this is the sort of thing that gets you right down those lines. One thing I'm curious about, Nicole, it's I think you were the only female reporter there. Is that right? Yeah. Was that weird at all? Were you treated any differently? Like, is uh, I got to get my water first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I mean, I'm I'm in a sense I'm I'm kind of used to it. I mean, there's always you know women. I'm not going to say there aren't any women in my field, but there are. But um, I'm kind of used to not being around them. You know, and I remember when Derek called. He's one of their one of the PR guys. I said, is there going to be another woman there? Like, we have to play basketball against these guys. Really, is this what we're going to have to do? Because I didn't want to be the one who, okay, this isn't just taken seriously because a woman's there. And I mean, when I played a game, played a game of basketball the day before, which wasn't that great of an idea because I was really tired from it. <laughs> it was against guys, but um, I mean, you kind of just get used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every once in a while, you run into a woman, and that's really nice and that's really fun. But I mean, you don't see it that way anymore. I mean, I remember the first time that I walked into the locker room, and that was the worst moment. Of, like. That was so. That was such a shock for me. And then just from there, I don't think it's ever been as big of a shock. No, I'm just curious because it's it just you are you were the only one there. And there's you know there's the um, K Jazz producer or I guess Root Sports producer whose name I forget um, who's always in the locker room too. But it just it's an un- underrepresented field. And I was curious about how that changed. I guess your perception of the event or how it changed how what happened on the floor for you? Well, I mean, it was, it was nice though to be taken seriously. Like if I was messing up a play, cause you know, I, I am, I do like to watch it. It is kind of fun to watch. Like when I go do something versus like when I go see a man do, I, I it's something that I look at all the time cause I'm constantly faced by that during, right. you know, throughout the season. And it was nice that I didn't feel like if I messed up, they're like, okay, I yeah, go ahead and go on. Like they'd be like, no, go over here. Like, what are you <laughs> do doing? Go back over there. Uh, yeah. And that had to happen a lot. Trust me. They were like, no, that's not where you're supposed to stand. Nope. Don't come off the screen like that. <laughs> you know, come around. And it was, it was fun. And it feels you know, it's always kind of feels good to be taken seriously, especially as a woman. So it was something that felt kind of good. It was really nice to finally work, do something like this alongside all of you with the English radio, because it's only three of us for the Spanish radio, and that's it. Right. So it's pretty cool. So I, I think getting back to being accosted by the coaching staff, because um, <laughs> I, I think that's that's fun. Like, I I think maybe my favorite moment was there was on that, uh, I believe it was the Channel 2 play. Um, I stepped out of bounds. They had us flash out to the wing for a corner three and I stepped out of bounds and then Dennis Lindsay is over here on the sideline probably 10 feet away then you know that Larson that's bad footwork (laughs) you gotta work (laughs) I I really expected more from you being such a proponent of the corner three to be able to not step out of bounds while taking one Uh, it's not very much room there the NBA NBA three is long there's not a whole lot of room to stand in between there I, I also think it's great that like the whole jazz organization is behind this event so you know having the GM Dennis Lindsay be there just to hobnob with the media and to kind of you know, obviously laugh at us a little bit. Um, Justin Zanuck, assistant GM, was there as well. You know, it's cool to have like the whole organization to come and and show that they're here to support Quinn and support this new offense, support the new direction the Jazz are going in. 
I would have gotten myself a tryout. <laughs> totally. <laughs> there is one roster spot left. I I, I hear I, there I are I negotiations know. with Jody. I'm sure. Yeah. After <laughs> making that shot, I I'm just. I guess are there any last impressions for you? I I'm trying to think of, of any great stories that I haven't covered well, yet. I was going to ask who the best, who's the the best non thorough non Britain player. Ooh, like <laughs> actual media, like just just media. Somebody who'd never played the game for a living before. Um, Bill Lee was pretty good. Yeah, he was really good. Um, uh, Tony Parks was pretty good. His shot, like that was it. Like he saved us. He saved us from a run. Again, I'm gonna mention that. Thank you, Tony. But his shot was really on it. But I would have to say, for me, it would be it would have been Billy. Because I remember when I would be on defense, like I could kind of keep up. And then with him, I was like, oh man, I really gotta step this up. And he keep up with them. He's one of those guys who does like those crazy bike races, like logan to oh, whatever so he's like, just in freaky shape yeah so he's in he's <laughs> in incredible right. shape and like it comes from a family of you know marathon runners and triathletes and whatever else so like yeah i i was not surprised to see him just mm-hmm. kill it out there i i just follow i follow him on instagram and i see what he's up to on the weekends i'm like yeah okay he's he's gonna be okay um, and Adam Mikulich from KUTV is kind of the same way. He does like the Ragnar and, and you know, the 150 mile one, whatever that one's called. Um, but he was also in shape and also put some of us to shame in terms of just how um, it was. He looked decent out there, I thought. Did anyone cross Thurl? <laughs> um, I don't I no. don't think so. I would have no. tried. I would have definitely tried. I told him I would break his ankles, but that didn't happen at all. Nice. <laughs> we were past him. talking earlier. I think the person who was the most feisty was Tim Montemayor of 1320, who demanded the ball on every possession. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, took a ridiculous three at one point that it was not open whatsoever, but, you know, that's okay. He, you know, you only have one chance at these training exactly. media camps. I can't even begrudge the guy for being a ball hog. Like he, he just was. Uh, he, he was taking advantage. It. Absolutely. If you have a chance to shoot a no dribble pull up three with a hand in your face, and there's even the slightest chance it might go in and make you look awesome, <laughs> then I think you have to do it. That uh, yeah, I I I completely agree. And so I you know like I guess Rod Zundel got on him at one point for not passing the ball and this all happened on my team and i guess i should be more than peripherally peripherally aware of what was happening but i was just focused on defense baby that's the way to go that's yeah yeah, that's what i try and do when i play basketball is because i I don't have the actual skill set offensively but i can i i know the game so i can play defense like i can and i'm not i played hockey so i'm willing to get physical people can that's cool man you're gonna foul people oh man my brother's the i was i told this story at the the salt city hoops dinner the other night my brother's the only person i've ever known to foul out of a junior jazz game i i fouled out of a church ball game once did you okay. yeah that was <laughs> that was good yeah, i fouled out a lot when i played in basketball in high school so and okay the, the, the fifth for my brother in that game was literally just like shoving a kid who come came to set a pick because my brother didn't understand what a pick was and why they got to stand <laughs> in front of him. there's a shout out dan what's up um that's funny uh yeah i i think that was great the other thing i thought was cool is just like how patient the jazz were with us through oh, messing yeah. up you know everything. everything from the sets to the plays to even things like the bulk shooting we were messing up at it yeah just like uh, they were consistently just patient with us having us they they really did want to show us the fundamentals of the offense um i also think it was interesting that they wanted to keep the defense secret like did you notice that at the very beginning where they said uh basically we'll show you the offense because we don't necessarily yeah, want they the, didn't defense talk about the defense getting at all. out there yeah. until 
uh, the scrimmage or the f- the first preseason game. So I, I have really no idea what to expect if the Jazz are going to play like a Chicago Bulls overloading style types of type of defense, or if they're going, you know, they could be going crazy zone. I think they're going to play a hybrid. I think we're going to yeah. see all sorts of different looks from them. I think we're going to see a lot of Thibsian style stuff, like you're saying, a lot of strong side. Um, but I and I definitely think that the the main thing is pick and rolls. I think the bigs mm-hmm. are almost exclusively going to be hanging back. I, I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. do a whole lot more. I think we've realized that. I think the NBA in general has realized that unless you have a pretty specific skill set for your bigs that the Jazz kind of don't have at the moment, except for maybe favors, you you shouldn't play it that way. You're just it's too exploitable. There's too many ways to exploit. Though I should it. point out, so the Jazz kind of switched to that style of defense probably yeah. a third of the way through the year last year, mm-hmm. and then you know we're the worst team in the league defensively. So. Yeah, well, and then they switched back. Uh, they they came back to sort of starting to play, especially with Cantor. He started hanging back more mm-hmm. frequently. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm curious just to see how that turns out, and to me that's kind of the biggest thing I'll be watching for in the first Jazz game and and the open scrimmage. I believe that's scheduled for the day before um, the first Jazz home game. I, I was hearing rumors. I'm not sure if that's true, but so that would be October sixth is okay. the tentative date for that scrimmage. Let's say. Yeah, I think I saw that. Um. So anyway, I any any other last impressions before we go on to the crazy trade idea of the week? Well, I wasn't there, so. <laughs> no, it was just really fun. It was something that I really enjoyed doing. Even Big Buddha, that was fun to play with him, yeah. too. Was, it, was, it was a really great team building and experience on their behalf. Yeah, so, I mean, it wasn't just sports media, by the way. So, like, Big Buddha was there. Um, let's see. Who am I? For? Ron Bird, who's you know, not sports, but he just is the primary host for um, KUTV. He was there. Um so you know, it it was it went beyond just the general sports media that's always there. It we also got some other um, personalities in the mix, which was fun. So, um, oh, the other thing I just want to mention was I'm sure everyone's seen this already, but Aaron Falk they gave the number twelve and they gave Jody um, the thirty two on oh, your yeah. red team. So they had Stockton to Malone recreated yeah. <laughs> via Salt Lake Tribune to Deseret News. Does Jody have the pick and roll footwork to to make that happen? <laughs> um, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't believe he does. But to be fair, I'm not sure Aaron has the the passing game or really the game to set it. He's more of a soccer guy anyway. He's a soccer guy that was pushed into basketball. Uh, and he's a great writer, don't get me wrong. But it, it's clear that Aaron has not played a lot of basketball. Hey, well, that, yeah, I, I bet you he's not alone in that in that room. Yeah, to be fair, most of no. us <laughs> yeah. don't have those abilities. Yeah, Aaron did not look out of place. So don't no. get me wrong. He was, he was just fine. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it Stockton to Malone, it was not in terms of basketball quality. Let's put it that way. The heart was there. That was what was important. That's what's important. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so crazy trade idea of the week time. Um, So, Nicole, just every week we do some kind of crazy trade idea um, so that we have, I don't know, we... Crazy trades are fun, right? Like, trade ideas are just fun to imagine, to to think about, to discuss. It's just fun to imagine different player scenarios with the Jazz. Like, yeah. especially ones that we know will never happen because it's just fun <laughs> to think about what it would be like. And so in, like, at least half of the trades so far, we've traded Dennis Cantor, and, which I feel bad about because I, I just feel like he's the asset right now that people are looking at the Jazz maybe giving up something for. Yeah. Um, and honestly, most of these trades we don't come up with ourselves. We're getting from various sources. Today's comes from Biz Gil Walker from Real GM. So, again, another message board trade. You know it's real. Um, real GM, hashtag GM, whatever. Um, <laughs> so we're, 
The trade today is Ennis Cantor and the Golden State 2017 first that we received in the Richard Jefferson, Andres Biedrinch, and Brandon Rush trade. Um, and, of course, Kevin Murphy for um, Julius Randle um, from the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think that's an interesting one. So, first of all, it, it does match up salary-wise. Um, the Lakers get a little bit of compensation in that 2017 first in order to kind of give up their recently traded big. Um Ennis Cantor was drafted number three. Julius Randle was drafted number seven. So, um, you know, there is some value difference there. But you also have to consider that Ennis Cantor's contract is starting. Um, his second contract starts next year, whereas Julius Randle, you've got three years of uh, cheap rookie salary contract. What are your thoughts, Ben? I think if the timeline was just slightly different, it could you could see it being something that the Lakers would consider in real life. Um, I think the fact that, like you're saying, Cantor's contract does start next year and not the year after. Like, if there was a chance that Cantor was didn't have to get paid until the year after, especially with the fact that that gives them another year to see how good he is and to see how much they would have to pay him, um, because that's when Kobe is likely going to be retired, based on what he said and where his massive, ridiculous salary becomes is no longer on the books. For right now, I don't think that based on their, their team-building strategy that the Lakers are really trying to take on that kind of money before Kobe's gone, because I, I think almost... At this point, they've kind of realized in their heads, like, okay, we're probably not. They, I don't think they think they're going to win anything. I think they realize that yeah. they're going to have to rebuild it for after that. And yeah, I, I think everybody but Kobe Bryant understands exactly. that in that organization. <laughs> exactly. So Kobe I think it's kind still, of just a bye. We're going to surprise everybody. We got this. Yeah, and you know, and with that in mind, Rand, you know, they get a couple years of Randall on the cheap. They get to develop him, and then by the time he's in his third year, that's when Kobe's gone, and he can be expected to kind of step into a larger role there. And but for that reason, I. In the real world, I don't know that they consider it, but that's why we call it the crazy trade. And I, th- I think it's interesting. I think it's a fun thing. Randall has some of the same skills as as Cantor, or at least projects to. Um, certain areas, he definitely projects to be better. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. Interesting to see how he'd pair with Favors as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Cantor fits a little bit better with their current roster than Julius Randall does, just because they have eight power forwards. Um, and I think you can play Ennis Cantor at center more reliably than I think you can Julius Randle, who's is six, like six seven, six eight, right? He's yeah, he's, he's kind a little, of undersized. the slightest bit undersized. Doesn't have the massive wingspan. Um, and so I, I think you could, you know, more cohesively put together like a Carlos Boozer um, and Julius Randle lineup or a Julius Randle Ed Davis kind of lineup for the Lakers. Which you know, if they really do want to go the Kobe Bryant path and try to compete this year. <laughs> Um, <laughs> then <laughs> they're gonna try. I mean, it's not gonna work, Effort's but they're gonna, gonna, gonna try. Like, yeah, then I uh, I think it is a better fit. Um, but I agree. They can try, but they will probably fail. Which, again, as a jazz fan, just makes me so happy. Lynn Sanity. Oh yeah, they have Jeremy Lynn too. It'll it's all going down in Lakerville. <laughs> um, I mean, I like Jeremy Lynn, but that's it's he's not that good. It's gonna be an interesting year for them. Yeah. And for the Jazz, I think it's interesting. Julius Randle, I think, again, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, gives you more variability in in terms of outcomes than someone like Ennis Cantor, who you've got three years under the belt. And sure, you haven't seen Ennis Cantor play 30 minutes a night yet, but you kind of have an idea of where Ennis Cantor is going to be. Just because Julius Randle is a rookie, I think there's a wider possibility of where he could be. I think he could end up as a, you know, like almost a big baby Davis kind of output type. Um I'm he's be, he's he's stronger and closer to the hoop. Like he's he's yeah. a 
he really, you know, I, I hate the player to player comparisons, but he is going to have some Zach Randolph in him in terms of just like he's going to hurt some people down low. Guys are going to really kind of not want to bang elbows with him all the time down low. And he's the, the, even the fact that he's a little bit smaller size, I, I don't know that that's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt him from the standpoint of not having the length to get over certain guys. But, um, and you never know, he's got the shooting stroke at the moment that you could see him developing that shot pretty far out. And if that were to happen, he could be pretty valuable. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, that's his best cases you look at someone like Zach Randolph but plus some I think in terms of um, uh, Zach Randolph is actually a pretty good athlete but I think plus some in terms of shooting and and maybe even defense Um, you know it's it's a question mark to be sure but I think there's I think Julius Randle, you could say, could possibly be a better player than Ennis Cantor, just because you don't know where he's going to be I think his his ceiling is definitely significantly higher than Cantor's I would say so I, I I think it's something that the Jazz consider and ultimately do. I agree with you that I I think the value is kind of low for the Lakers, but that's why it's the crazy trade idea of the week, <laughs> so we can talk about it. Um, well, cool. Thanks, Nicole, for joining us again. It was so awesome to have you on the show, um, and thanks for playing in the media training day. Um, <laughs> Attempting to play. Did you? Uh, I, I want to ask, my t- final stat line was 2.0 assists, 0 rebounds. Did you have any... Did you I end up scoring in the scrimmaging? Almost made one. Almost. That was like my almost like best moment of my life because <laughs> okay. I got a pass from throw Bailey. So nice. zero for one oh, for in the one. field, but oh well. Yeah, and I made okay. a few shots during the drills. I made like yeah. two or three free throw shots. I I didn't make that, so <laughs> I, I was going underhand with the free throws as, <laughs> as is my want. Did you? Yeah, well, I feel like it's unfair. I mean, this is, again, completely random, but I... I feel like it's unfair that uh, Rick Barry did the underhand free throws and then did not teach his kids, John and Brent, to do underhand free throws. <laughs> and like someone has to live on that tradition, and I will be that. I will be that you person. You carried it on. I, underhand free throws. More people should try it. Shaq should have tried it. I I just I, I think we've come Andre to the Drummond should try it. That they're not as effective. That's why they don't. <laughs> no, like who else? You don't uh, think it'll be an and failed. Well, pretty much no. Well, not nobody anymore because it's just not. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it's maybe you know what. Maybe there's somebody that it could work better for. I think, and maybe there's a small bit of like you don't you like guys want to look macho. They don't want to look weird. Like I don't know. This right. is this is my cause. This is this is gonna be like what's on my tombstone is like reintroduced the underhand free throw to Machoized the NBA. it. If yeah. I ever see someone <laughs> do it in an NBA game, I'll be sure to tweet you really quick. I, I'm not I'm not capable of machoizing anything, <laughs> but I, I just want to have it return somehow, um, make it acceptable again. So anyway, thanks again for joining us to Nicole um, on the Salt City Hoop Show. Um, hope to have you on the show again soon, and we'll have the radio show and, and podcast too, so there will be a lot of opportunities. You were great. Um, ben, thanks again for joining us. Thanks again for to our audience for listening to another Salt City Hoops podcast.